you, you don't have you don't have time to be bored. Uh, that, that's for sure. So so I love that because people around me will, uh, will tell you I have a fair bit of energy, and if I do don't uh, spend it, I am unbearable. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. When we think of French cuisine, we don't often think about brew pubs, or in fact beer, but beer is a large part of French culture in a very different way to that in Australia. But what does French food offering look like in a brewery setting in Australia? Thomas Coquille is the head chef and co-owner of Frenchie's Bistro and Brewery in Sydney. Thomas, how are you? I'm good, very good. Thank you. How are you? Good. It's really good to get you on the show. You've got a pretty fascinating and unique offering in Australia. Tell us a little bit about what you what you're doing. Well, we've uh, we've set up Frenchies uh, five years ago. We are almost uh, at our at our birthday soon. Uh, so that's close to celebrate. Um, look, it's uh, we've started that with my friend. Vince, that's uh, looking after the brewery part, so he's been a brewer for a while, uh, and I've been a chef for a while. And a, a while ago, we decided to to combine our our passions, our our knowledge, uh, and and do a venue together. Uh, we were going to to set that up in France, uh, and life uh, life came in the way, and we ended up uh, here in Australia, which is a which is a good thing. We we're really happy about that. Um, so yeah, we've come a long way, and uh, and what we are trying to do uh, is to bring for Vince uh, his passion for um, for beers, for European style uh, style beers, but of course uh, any other trends uh, in beers that that exist in craft beer. And for me, well, I've trained uh, a lot in Europe in in different many different kitchens. Um, and so I'm bringing what I, I know, the techniques I've learned throughout uh, those experiences, uh, but uh, trying to focus on what Australia has to offer in terms of uh, producers, in terms of suppliers, uh, and, and, we, and we follow that. I'm, I'm not trying to do uh, some traditional French cuisine. We're trying to have a, a little bit of a more modern approach. And, and yeah, we try to, to create um, a symbiosis between the beers, the food, and, and make that work all together. That's fascinating that you say that the idea was originally to do back in France. Is is the concept different uh, to what you envisaged, what you'd be doing in France, to what you've actually created here in Australia? It's hard to say because when we first uh, thought about doing something together with Vince, um, our idea was like, we like good food, we like good beer. We didn't push the, the concept much further than that at that stage. Uh, so the idea was just to do something together because we did a lot of things outside of, of, of work and studies uh, together. Um, so that's where we were at. Um, and when it came down to, to create a concept, uh, that happened more when we were in Australia. Uh, so we pushed the, the thinking about what to do uh, when we were here. And obviously we tried to, to adapt to, to where we were. Uh, and even since we started, the concept has evolved a lot because, you know, when you start, you make mistakes. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, we, we, we've tried, to, um, we've tried to, to, to do things that please people and, and, and that work for, for everyone. And I think today we, we're, at, we're at that point. 
Well, I want to talk a bit more about Frenchies shortly, but take us back to when you were growing up. Tell us about where you, where you grew up and what sort of role food played in your family. Well, um, my family traveled a lot. So when I was young, I, uh, because my, my dad um, changed jobs uh, often, uh, we moved to Brazil, we moved to Sweden, we moved to Spain at a, at a young age. Um, so in terms of food, that, uh, that had obviously a strong uh, influence. Um, everywhere, every time we were going to live overseas, my parents were quite curious people and they were trying to uh, submerge themselves and and us kids because I have two siblings uh, into the the culture of the country and that the culture goes a a lot through food Um, so so yeah that had a strong influence Um, both my parents even my grandparents they are people that like that like to eat and and share the moment around food as well in on on a large family setting you know having those big uh, uh, lunches or dinners with with a lot of people. Um, so so that that's always been I've I've always grown up in that. Uh, and afterwards, yeah, I, at some stage when I was a little bit younger, I'm, I wasn't sure about what to do, what's uh, what path to to take, and and food uh, through a, a job experience happened, and and I liked it, so I I, I pursued that uh, that idea. Before we get to that, take us back to your family, you know, with with a family that's really um, fascinated and find food important to, to everyday life. Do you have any dishes or feasts uh, that you can tell us about that you remember from when you were young? Um, yeah, I, I, I remember um, my grandparents lived in, in Morocco a long, long time ago. And I remember those, those lunch where um, my grandmother would cook us couscous. That she learned with a uh, with uh, a maid actually uh, when they were living in in Marrakesh, um, and I, I, that's a strong uh, memory because it was a nice moment with the whole family. I, re- I remember, yeah, us sharing that, that that dish that's made for that to to, to be shared amongst uh, a lot of people. Uh, so that's a strong memory, uh, and then I, I remember. Um, in through our um, our travels, uh, I remember a few culinary experiences that were not necessarily high gastronomy, but that uh, that impressed me, especially when we were young, eating different things, random things that we were not necessarily used to eat in in Europe. Um, I, I remember eating a guinea pig <laughs> in Peru. Uh, I remember eating whale in Norway. Uh, well, those, those kind of things. So they, yeah, they, they, they impress you when, when you're a kid, and, and they, I think they leave a, they leave a mark, a, a curiosity at least for, for what you can find uh, according to the place you're in. You mentioned that you have a background and experience in Michelin star restaurants. Take us back to, um, to those restaurants. What were the real sort of influential uh, venues and people that uh, you worked with? Um, so. My studies were not very focused on, on, on cooking. So after, uh, after studying in Paris, it was more like a management, hospitality kind of thing. Uh, and I wanted to, to cook. Uh, I wanted to be a chef. So I, I went into um, my first experience was in Madrid, in Spain, um, mostly because I loved living in Spain uh, when I was younger. Uh, and I went to this uh, one Michelin star uh, called El Chaflan. Um, it was really hard because I was not <laughs> I was not prepared for this kind of ambience. 
um, the the head chef was doing this um, molecular cuisine that was very trendy back then. Um, it was the the the, the rise of uh, El Bulli in Barcelona, and uh, that head chef was following that trend. So it, it was definitely interesting. It was something that I was absolutely not familiar with. Uh, so lots of things to learn. It's uh, it's a very strong experience, although it's probably my shortest one. I uh, only lasted uh, five months in that place, uh, but yeah, it was it was intense. Uh, very old school management, if you know what I mean. Uh, and after, so that put me off a little bit for in regards to those kind of um, work ambience. Uh, so I went back to France into. There was this trend that was uh, developing back then. In uh, I went to Toulouse in the south of France. Uh, that's called bistronomy. Uh, the idea of that trend is to um, bring the gastronomic techniques and, and, and knowledge into a more laid-back um, atmosphere of a restaurant. Something a little bit more simple, something a little bit more more cheap as well, to reach uh, a wider crowd with good food. Um, so I, I went to work in that. It was a very small restaurant. We were uh, two with the head chef, uh, myself uh, and the head chef. Um, so you do learn a lot. Uh, there's a, a lot of work to be done, uh, but but you learn a lot, and and it was a good base for after going back into a Michelin star in Paris. Um, so something a little bit more traditional than my first Michelin star. Uh, it was with uh, Christian Constant. Uh, he's a he's a big chef, so he's retired now. But uh, he, he trained a lot of the very famous chefs that uh, that that are, that are still uh, going in France right now. Uh, and yeah, I worked with him for a year uh, and kept on going through different restaurants in in Paris uh, for yeah five or six years before I came to Australia. Tell me about uh, your relationship with with Vince, uh, your business partner. When when did you guys first meet, and and tell us about the evolution of of this concept that you ended up with for Frenchies? So Vince, we met in two thousand five uh, when we were studying in Paris. Um, so Vince came from a very different um, background of of studies. He went into a how do you call that uh, a business school in Germany. Uh, and that wasn't for him, so he ended up in this same hospitality school, and we met there, and we we developed a strong friendship uh, back then already. Then after after school, like I said, I went to work. He kept on studying, uh, but and, and we were not living in the same place because I went to Spain, I went to Toulouse, but and he stayed in between Paris and and the Alps. Uh, French Alps, um, but we kept that relationship. We we did some big trips together, so that's um, through traveling a lot. We we kept it going. Uh, we did some pretty cool trips, like uh, cycling from Paris to Istanbul. Uh, we went to Russia, which is a uh, not a very high uh, popular place at the moment, but still back then it was cool. Uh, we went to Russia for for an expedition in in very remote um, Kamchatka. Uh, so, so strong uh, bonding of our traveling, and and through those travel, we we started thinking about what we like to do. I liked chefing. He was already brewing beer in his garage, but 
still it's a start. Um, and uh, and yeah, and we thought we had that idea in mind of uh, of bringing that together. Uh, how it came along, um, he was in this last year of studying, um, <clears throat> and he had to do one more year, which was meant to be um, to develop uh, a professional project. So the idea was to to put that to use, to, to work on that. But before doing uh, his uh, last year, and after we traveled to Russia, he said, I'm going to take a, a year off of school and I'm going to go to Australia. That was his, uh, his thing because he's like, okay, I'm going to go surfing for a year, doing the, the classic uh, working holiday visa. <clears throat> and the attraction for Australia was not only about the, the sun, uh, the beaches and, and the surf. It was because the, um, the craft beer scene was way more developed in Australia than it was back then in uh, in France, so it's picked up in France now. But uh, but back then it was it was much more of a thing. Uh, so he came here, he surfed, he enjoyed everything. But eventually he found uh, he found a job uh, in a brewery, in a microbrewery in um, Port Macquarie. Uh, so the guy ended up sponsoring him. So he's like, okay, maybe I take one more year. I stay here. I learn the tricks. Uh, the job happened to be really good, so he stayed uh, another year, and then after he found a girlfriend that he actually married today. Uh, so at some stage, I was like, "Okay, you're not coming back. I'm gonna come." <laughs> uh, so I came, and and yeah, we thought we thought it, w- it would be a good idea to uh, to start here because I did I did like Australia. I didn't had. Um, that uh, fervor that uh, Vince had for, for Australia uh, at the beginning. But I was like, yeah, I mean, I was a, a bit at the end of a cycle back in France. I was like, okay, I'm going to come here. I think it's a great place to be. I think as a chef, there's a lot of things to be done because the food scene, uh, everything needed to be, not everything, but uh, there was a lot of space to, to be doing things, probably much more than back in Paris where, where I came from, where where the concentration of, of chefs and restaurants is, is much uh, stronger. And, and yeah, and we, we said, okay, let's do it, let's do it here. Uh, we decided uh, for Sydney because uh, we wanted something big. Back then we were in Port Macquarie. Uh, it's a bit small maybe for, to start a, a restaurant. And there were already a couple of good restaurants for, for a very small town. Uh, Sydney seemed to be the right place in terms of uh, lifestyle, in terms of uh, food scene, and um, and yeah, life balance sounded good. Tell us about the the period of time leading up to finding a site and and um, delivering Frenchies to the market. Um, did you did you work in Sydney in, during that time before opening the restaurant? So yes, um, we it took us a long time because we moved to Sydney. Uh, and by the time we finalized the concept, raised the money, uh, we tried to find uh, a place to, to set it up. Uh, that took forever, especially probably because it was also our first time. And I mean, we were trying to figure things out along the way uh, in terms of uh, structure, etc. Um, so that took a while. We, we found the first venue that actually didn't go through. So that uh, put us back. A good year, uh, and in the meantime, we were obviously working because living in Sydney and cheap. <laughs> uh, so we worked together in a in a 
small brew pub. Um, for him, it was it, it was great, I think, because um, the system was very small, but it was the first time he was working by himself as a head brewer. Uh, so a lot of space for him to to develop his uh, his skills, like and put in place what what he had in mind on a small scale and um, and to try a lot of different beer styles, see what works, see what's not. Uh, so I worked there as well uh, in the kitchen uh, of that brew pub for, for a while. I did lots of different jobs, agency jobs, just to, to keep it going. And I, I worked as well, uh, which is more relevant, um, at a restaurant of a good friend of mine now, Mox. Uh, he's from Belgium. It's a seafood restaurant. Um, and that was a great, great experience because um, he's very passionate. He set up his restaurant seven years ago now. So for him, it was a new adventure as well. And I could see uh, what it takes to, to create relationship with suppliers, to, to connect with uh, your local uh, food environment. Um, and, and he was great because he was very much into that. And it gave me a lot of uh, tips, ideas, etc. So uh, uh, that was my my best experience of uh, work experience in in Australia. And after, yeah, after we we had to start franchise at some stage, and and we found this location in Rosebury, uh, and and we're good. We're really good. <laughs> you mentioned a bit earlier the um, the challenges in the first um, couple of years, and and evolving the offering tell us about sort of what it was and how much it's evolved and compared to what you're doing now well when you start a business you especially me i am a guy of principles <laughs> so i have a lot of ideas uh that i want to do uh and and it's hard to to make a selection between what you have in your head uh, and what uh, people want so especially at the beginning, you want to do what you, are, what you have in your head. So I wanted to, to bring uh, what I've been trained for, this bistronomy concept in, uh, into Sydney, which was not something that was very defined in the, on the food scene. Uh, and, and I think it was a bit, um, a bit too much, <laughs> uh, especially at the beginning. So it started well because when you launch a, uh, a restaurant, you get... A lot of uh, following. You you managed to get good press. Uh, I mean, what we were doing were, were, was good, uh, but on the long run, um, we we lost uh, we lost track of uh, of the interest uh, in, in people, uh, and because the food scene in Sydney is so dynamic, there's always new things opening. Uh, especially back then, maybe today it's a bit more quiet, but still. Um, then people forget about you because they, they go, they like to try new things. They like to, to keep up with what's, what's trendy, what's, what's in the moment. Um, so, so we struggled uh, after six months. Uh, and we tried different things. We, at the first, uh, after the first uh, lockdown, we reopened and I was like, okay, we're going to try to do something a little bit more high hand. Uh, so we went to a full degustation dinner uh, uh, concept, which was pretty good actually, and I think it, it, it suited the, um, the needs of, of back then because after the first lockdown, people were keen to go back out to to spend some money 
to to have a good food experience. So that that, that worked well, uh, and especially with you know all these limitations that we had to in terms of uh, capacity and stuff, it, it, it was good. It was it made it easy to manage. Um, so we kept that between the two the two lockdowns, and when we reopened uh, in the last one, we changed again uh, because. We wanted to grow, uh, especially with on the brewery side. Attract we were um, attracting a lot of uh, food lovers. Uh, that's a, that was a, our customer base. But we wanted to to strengthen the the relationship between the beer side and the food side, and to uh, to reach better uh, beer people. We thought that it would be nicer to uh, to create um, a share offering, uh, something a little bit more convivial, a little bit more laid back than uh, you know like a, a degustation dinner. That's a bit fancy. Uh, so we're still doing the same quality of food, but the 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 way we offer it is a, is a little bit different. And we keep the degustation offering just for special events uh, that occur once in a while uh, throughout the year. Tell us a bit about your food. Can you um, share sort of some insights in um, with a dish or two that you have on the menu at the moment so that sort of speaks of what you're doing? So um, the food that I do, like I said, it's influenced by the, the techniques that I've done back in France, so French techniques. Uh, what I try to do is to not be too traditional. Like there's no, when you go to a, what you think is a French restaurant, you think of uh, um, confit duck, raclette, those very, very heavy traditional um, dishes. And, and the whole menu being designed uh, like that. I try to stay away from that. Uh, we want to offer something that's a little bit more seasonal and that's more... Um, Looking after the produce that uh, we have at hand in Sydney, in Australia, uh, in general. So um, the menu changes according to what the market has to offer, uh, especially for the seafood a lot. Like I go there twice a week and we, we change it according to what there is. And then, uh, and then we, we adapt. So what you can find on the menu will change and then you have things that don't change because they are popular, because we, we like to offer those kind of produce. I do a lot of um, uh, charcuterie, so a lot of pâtés, pâté en croûte. There's always a pâté en croûte on the menu. The, the filling changes uh, from week to week, but, uh, but that's always on the menu. Uh, and uh, a lot of uh, cured meats that we do. I have a, a strong passion for charcuterie. Uh, I can talk about it a lot. Uh, terrines, uh, rillettes, uh, pancettas, I mean, all these kind of things that we do ourselves, obviously, uh, they're always on the menu. And then, yeah, we all f- offer all sorts of uh, all sorts of mains. Uh, you can find a confit duck uh, from time to time on the menu. That's I don't have anything against it. But yeah, <clears throat> Trying to trying to be to be a little bit more modern in our approach. Well, it's such a unique venue, and given that there is um, beer being brewed and and then your French uh, inspired food, uh, do you work together to try and match the beers with the food? And does that um, change what you're doing in the kitchen? Always. So we actually uh, even try in the kitchen to use uh, his products. So. 
cooking with beer is a little bit tricky because when you uh, when you cook the hops, they become more bitter, so it can ruin a dish very easily. Um, so we use sometimes some beer to to cook sous vide. Uh, etc. And then, especially on the pastry side of, uh, I have a great sous chef. She's a she's a pastry chef, uh, and uh, so she uses hops uh, like raw hops uh, or malt in her desserts, in her doughs, in infusions to to flavor her desserts, because that works very well with a sweet. Uh, so that's. What we do in the kitchen and then on the on the floor, my uh, my manager that looks after the the, the drinks list, etc. Um, he tries to push uh, our customer and encourage them to to try new stuff. There's there's no problem. You come at Frenchies, you can try all the beers before you pick yours, because uh, <laughs> it, it, it's about uh, explaining to people first what we have because the beers change a lot <coughs> on tap, and then uh, encourage them to. To get a, to go away from from wine pairing for with their meal and, and and try to enjoy different styles of beer with different types of food. So that that's what he does uh, every day. And then especially when we have some special events with degustation menu, <coughs> we always offer a pairing per dish with uh, wine and with beer. We always put our beers forward. Tell me a bit about Bastille Day. Do you have any stories um, from when you were young and, and um, what that sort of day means to you? Uh, so when I was young, not so much, especially because I, live, uh, I lived overseas uh, a fair bit. Um, for, for me, Bastille Day in France, it's they, on the 14th of July, the, um, how do you call them? The, the firemen, they organize a, a ball uh, in their... Um, in the stations so there's music and people go especially all the girls they, they like to go and dance with the firemen so that, that, that's what Basti Day is for me um, and I, I'm not so keen in going to dance with the firemen um, but uh, I, it, it's crazy I was actually very surprised that it's so much of a thing here in Australia um, so we got along, like, since we've been here, we've been, there's a, a big French festival organized in Sikulaki um, for, for Bastille Day. So we've always taken part in this festival. Uh, we're going back again this year. So we, we provide some beers and then we have a, a food stall where we try to have a, that in those festivals, I, I do offer a little bit more of traditional French food because it's a French festival. I'm not going to get away with it. Uh, this is what, people want and, and yeah they want the nostalgia of uh, French food so I stick to that um, and then at Frenchies we um, we celebrate it as well like uh, well the last couple of years have been complicated but this year we, we do a, a whole week where the menu is that traditional French food I try to do something uh, that's nice something that people enjoy and, and we try to do it uh, to do it well tell us about what uh, you've got on offer that day um, so for the whole week of uh, of uh, Bastille Day at night we're going to be offering a, a four course menu the first course is a pâté en croûte so yeah like I said uh, it, it may be a little bit different to the image of um, 
of a super traditional pattern recruit that people have in mind. Uh, I've trained with a, uh, a guy in Paris for, for a couple of months, uh, six years ago, uh, and he has a, a little bit more modern approach to what charcuterie needs to be. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm using what he, he's taught me. So that's for the pattern recruit. The second dish is a, is a, it's a fish canal. So there's a, um, that, that's a dish that comes from Lyon, the Burgundy region. So it's a, a pike canal, white fish with a crayfish uh, creamy sauce. Uh, quite rich, but very, uh, very, very, very good. Uh, the, the third dish is a cassoulet. So cassoulet cannot get more traditional than that. So actually, the head chef that I had in, in Paris, the One Michelin star, he came from Montauban. It's a little village in the southwest of France at the at the center of uh, cassoulet region. And, uh, and he was doing this cassoulet, this exact same cassoulet as we're doing, uh, in all his restaurants. Even in the one Michelin star, all the restaurants that he had, there was a cassoulet. Uh, so that's what we're doing. Uh, and, and obviously all the elements of the cassoulet, there's a lot of charcuterie, there's a, a pistachio saucisson, there's a confilard, there's some duck, there's a Toulouse sausage, all of that we, we do, we make ourselves. Uh, and for dessert, she's going to make, I think it's a lavender creme brulee. Creme brulee. Doesn't get more traditional than that, but you know, when we do stuff like that, 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 that's traditional, there's no, uh, to my sense, at least big surprise in the, in the writing of the menu. We try to do that, uh, very well because that's the only thing that matters anymore. You didn't have plans to come to Australia, but has the experience changed you in the way that you cook? Of course, of course, because uh, I've learned new things uh, in the way that people work. Uh, first, it's very different uh, how you work in a team in Australia and at least what I've been taught when I was back in France. Uh, so that taught me a lot of things for that. And the way I cook, first of all, you need to use the produce that you have here. Uh, I've learned a lot about fish. Uh, the, the, the Sydney fish market is... Amazing, and I've been, I've been working in regions that are not on the coastal regions, so I was dealing with more meat than fish, so I learned a lot about that. Um, I, I learned how to use them, they, there's some amazing produce, um, and then through all the people that uh, I've worked with at Frenchies, uh, well, when you bring new people in, in, in the team, they come with their defects, but uh, mostly uh, most of them with their qualities and, and you learn from them. So I've, I've learned things with, uh, with those people too. I mean, you cannot stop changing when, uh, when, you, when, you, when you still work. If you, if you stop working, well, you, you will stay where you are, but, uh, but yeah, I th through the experience makes you, makes you evolve, of course. You've created a, a truly unique uh, venue in Australia. What do you love about what you do? Um, it's never boring. <laughs> Sometimes it's a bit overwhelming, but it's never boring. I mean, uh, I I've been working a, a lot on the on the kitchen side uh, in the in the last years. Uh, right now, we're trying to, to to develop the business, so I'm I have a great team in place at the moment. So I'm I'm taking advantage of that to to step back a little and 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 do something else, help the business grow. Um, and having this double um, 
role in the business, having to look after the production in the kitchen, but as well managing, uh, yeah, managing a business on a, on, a, on a day-to-day basis. You, you don't have you don't have time to be bored. Uh, that, that's for sure. So so I love that because people around me will uh, would tell you I have a fair bit of energy, and if I do don't uh, spend it, I am unbearable. <laughs> Well, Thomas, it's an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Uh, congratulations on what you've built there. Uh, keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Thank you very much. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.